and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Josh Brown here. Today's episode is brought to you by Franchise 5. Why Franchise 5? I'm glad you asked. Growing your franchise in a slow, deliberate, and thoughtful manner is a smart way to grow. Franchise 5 helps you do this by expanding five locations at a time with a zen-like focus on the geographic locations that make sense for your growth. To learn more about this, go to FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. That's the number five. So FranchiseEuphoria.com forward slash Franchise 5. Now to today's episode. Got a great interview today with Chris from Handyman Connections. Chris is the vice president of U.S. operations. And Handyman Connection is a home repair company with 60 plus franchisees operating throughout North America. These franchisees rely on having skilled craftsmen on their team to serve their customers. In the past, their recruiting efforts relied on online classified advertisements while each franchisee used their own process for recruiting qualified craftsmen. It's a really interesting concept, um, but most important and most intriguing about this interview, I think to you will be, you know, we kind of walk through some of the struggles that Handyman Connection had as a growing franchise. You know, what happens when you start growing too fast and and Chris in particular, you know, got overwhelmed uh, with everything that had to be done, how that led to a very specific and worthwhile process that they implemented to attract and bring on good qualified franchisees. So Chris is a nice guy and we have a uh, we have a good, uh, insightful conversation and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you? Doing fantastic. Well, thrilled to have you on today. You're obviously involved with Handyman Connection, uh, and I believe you're the the vice president of U.S. operations. And so I wanted to have you on today uh, because Handyman Connection has been around for a little bit. You guys have kind of been through it. And, you know, there's a lot of folks listening and a lot of people tuning in who uh, I think could benefit from hearing about the Handyman Connection story. I mean, just the idea of, you know, starting off creating a franchise, growing a franchise and those steps along the way. But before we dive into that, maybe take a minute or two um, and, uh, and and tell the folks a little bit about your background and how you got into franchising. Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, so I actually started my franchising career back when I was 18 years old, uh, accidentally worked for a painting company called College Pro Painters. Uh, and they gave me an opportunity to really learn not only a trade, but also about business and uh, gave me an opportunity to be a franchise owner, and eventually working into their corporate staff as well. Left franchising for about four years, um, missed it, realized that I really wanted to help um, small business owners grow their business. And that's what I was passionate about. And I missed that when I left franchising. And so came back about five years ago to start working with the Handyman Connection team and building a, a business and kind of rebuilding a business that had once been great. So what does Handyman Connection do? I think it kind of says what it does in the name, but I'm, I, I didn't really know what y'all did. Um, I, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I'd heard about it you know, a few years ago, but before then I did not know that. So what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so it's uh, it is kind of like the name. I mean, it's handyman work, but we we do small to medium repairs inside any property, um, and I actually should say it's inside or outside. So imagine anything that you would need to have done to either maintain your home or property or improve your home or property. 
we would be somebody you could call and we're going to either connect you to the right person to do that, or we're going to be able to handle that, that call, that service call in-house. So if, yeah, because it's interesting because, you know, usually like, you know, you need somebody who does a deck and you kind of go to a particular person or you need somebody who does landscape lighting. I know all these things because we just bought a, a new house sure. uh, about a year or so ago. So we're, we're dealing with all that, but, but it sounds like, the model for handyman connection is such that, you know, I could, I think you guys, you guys have an Indianapolis location. I'm pretty sure. Um, I could call the Indianapolis location and say, Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And your particular franchisee in that location might say, yeah, that's, that's fine. I can go ahead and do that. Or you, he would connect me with somebody else who'd be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you had a home in Indianapolis, um, you could call our franchise owner. Uh, they're going to have a lot of the trades on staff. So if you had a plumbing issue, electrical issue, a carpentry issue, maybe you wanted a room painted or floor installed, they would be able to help you with all of those things. And they could schedule somebody for you to get that bid. Uh, if you like the bid, they can go ahead and do the work for you. If you have something that's more unique, like maybe you need a roof repair or a really large project, like you wanted to redo all the siding on your house, they may not do that in-house, uh, we may not do that in-house, but we could refer you to a partner in the area that we vetted that we feel would be a really good match for you. And so we really try to be the one call, one connection for anybody uh, in your in the marketplace. So, so who came up with this concept? <laughs> so there's a uh, pair of gentlemen back in the early 90s who um, they they were trying to, just like you, they bought a house, they were trying to get work done, and they couldn't find anybody. And the people that they found, um, you know, to be to be blunt, they were just not very professional and didn't show up on time and, and they had a lot of issues. So long story short, they developed the concept of what if we found all these vetted professionals that we could connect with homeowners um, and, and have a better experience? Uh, the concept took off and it, it grew throughout the 90s and early 2000s and uh, all the way up until today. And where's it based out of? So it all started in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and that's where our corporate headquarters is today as well. And you guys have, I believe, you, uh, you, you have over 60 franchisees? Uh, we do. So we now span across uh, coast to coast and all the way up into Canada. Uh, so we've got franchise owners in Canada as well as uh, most of the states in the U.S. So talk, talk about that. Obviously, you know, being founded in, in the early 90s and now we're in 2018, I am sure there are some challenges that <laughs> – that you all face, just like any, any business. Um, can you talk a little bit about what some of those challenges are and then how, how, and then we can talk about how they were overcome. Sure. Uh, would you like me to talk about the challenges we face today or the challenges we have overcome in the past? Uh, no, I'd like to start with the challenges you over, overcame in the past. Sure. So, um, I think the, f the first time that the business saw challenges was when competition entered into the marketplace. And so, you know, in the early 90s, all the way through even to the early 2000s, um, there, there wasn't a lot of competition. If you remember, like, you know, Google was just getting going. The internet was still fairly new. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of competition for people to find a contractor. Well, you know, mid-2000s, Google obviously entered into the marketplace and that helped in search. And then there was a number of, of companies um, like an Angie's List that started up. And it just changed the marketplace a lot. And so we had to go through a period of time where we really um, figured out, you know, were these companies going to be friend or were they going to be foe? 
um, evaluating them, working with them. And eventually we figured out a way to work with most of them. On top of that, when you have a successful business, you also start to get a lot of copycats. And so other companies started doing exactly what we were doing. Um, and so that, those are some of the things that we just had to work through internally. I wasn't here during, the, during that time, uh, but that's what the company had to do um, to get to where it is today. Well, and so did you guys, you know, a lot of, one of the things that I consistently hear about, you know, obviously, you know, when, when working with new and emerging and growing franchisors is that, you know, it can be a bit of a challenge to find good qualified prospects in, in terms of people becoming franchisees. Was that ever an issue for, for handyman? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's always an issue. I think today, even more than ever, um, it's interesting to see, you know, when, Normally, when the economy is really good and the job market is really good, there's not a lot of pressure for people to start up their business because they can find a job really easily. Um, whereas, you know, so today, even one of the biggest issues is finding people who are ready to take that leap into franchising. They want to be their own boss. They want to own their own business when the job market is so good and they have these alternatives of a, a nice paying job. So I think that's even a, a big issue today. It's finding the right people and, and evaluating them and making sure that we're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for us. So what's the magic potion? That's what everybody wants to know. What's the magic potion? How'd you guys, so how do you, what, what's the process you guys go through to find good qualified franchisees? Well, the first thing is we want to make sure that we're giving them a lot of information. So our process involves a number of phone calls and webinars that will get the candidate information to make sure that we're the right fit for them. Uh, after that, we have a, a standard discovery day where we invite our candidates in to meet our corporate team, our home office team, uh, learn our story, really understand our business. And then we also, in all SD, we evaluate the candidate. Um, we want to make sure that they are the right fit for our business because this is a, this is a partnership. And if we, all that goes well, then you know, we, we do an agreement with them and uh, we get them started out really quickly. So how, but how are you finding candidates at all? I mean, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds like a crazy question, but it's a big question for a lot of franchisees is what kind of things are you doing or things that, that handyman has found successful in the, in the U S um, to identify, to even get people interested, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of franchises out there. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing to, to help your, your brand stick out? So on the franchise side, a couple of things that we're doing is we're trying to utilize social media. We're trying to utilize search um, to, to get our name out there and to attract uh, potential franchise owners to us. We're also um, partnering with a lot of different brokerage and, and franchise coaches. Um, so there's a, a lot of those, uh, when somebody's looking for a franchise opportunity, they typically will find a broker or a coach and, and they're going to be looking for that coach to evaluate some opportunities that are best fit for them. Um, so that's really where we're focused on, on recruiting franchise owners. And then once you, you know, uh, once you get some interest, do you have a, a team at handyman that's part of your onboarding or operational team that then deals with not only the vetting of a candidate to make sure that it's the right candidate, but then also walking them through the process like you talked about, you know, getting the information you need, filling out the applications, you know, sending them their, uh, the franchise disclosure documents, talking about a discovery day, I mean, all those things. Talk a little bit about that process and break that down because, um, believe it or not, there's a whole lot of people out there who don't, I don't believe, do it the right way. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a look. It's a team effort, and you have to have the process laid out. So I'll start at the beginning for you. Um, we have a we have a team that is our franchise development team. We call them our franchise development team, and their role is to initially have a conversation with somebody, do some initial fact checking. You know, do they have some money? How they do they have some experience that's going to be able to help them be successful in this? Is this a real opportunity for them? Though that franchise development team will have a number of meetings via phone, via webinar, to really make sure that you know, the basic needs of the candidate are there and also that, that this is an opportunity that they're seriously interested in. Nobody gets to our discovery day until they've had a number of those meetings with our franchise development team, right? So they're doing the initial valuation, the initial presentations. Once they get to our discovery day, um, which is an in-person meeting, it's a two-day meeting. Um, it's a number of presentations about our business and it also gives that in Cincinnati. Is that in Cincinnati? It is normally in Cincinnati. Yep. Um, occasionally we'll do them in Chicago, uh, just out of a hotel if we have a smaller group, but normally in Cincinnati so they can see the business. We have an operating franchise that's, um, running out of that office so they can also see how that works. They can evaluate that franchise. They can meet with the franchise owner, talk to him, talk to them and get a lot of questions answered as well. So we want to show the business and we, and we want to show the business, you know, warts and all, make sure that this is the right fit for you, right? Once they go through that and we've evaluated them and they've evaluated the business, at that point, it gets turned over and a franchise agreement is signed. At that point, it's turned over to our operations team. And we have a, a specific person who's in charge of what we call launch, which is the first 90 days of op- opening. We then have another specific person that's in charge of what we call development and another person who's in charge of growth. And these are all different stages of a franchise, uh, franchisee's life in the first year of their operation. We put a tremendous amount of support and effort into that first year because we know that if they launch well and they're successful in the first year, they will have continued success ongoing. I love that. I love that process. At what point if you know, you may not know this, but at what point did Handyman implement that kind of structured process? Because, you know, you go from turning a business into a franchise to then adding a few here and there. And the next thing you know, you know, you you realize you do need to build out your infrastructure if you're going to be able to not only support what you already have, but position yourself for growth. So I'm curious, at what point did Handyman realize they needed to implement a, a process and structure like that? <laughs> it's an interesting question. So I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's when I got overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> so yeah. when I came in about five years ago, what we were doing is, is uh, we were doing, going through a remodel of our own business. And, uh, and so I really took on all the roles because I wanted to make sure that I could do them. I understood the ins and outs before I hired people to do these roles. Um, and so one of the lessons that I think I would give any new or, or, or kind of a, a business that's starting franchising is you need to know everything before you start hiring people and franchising it out. Um, so I did that. And, uh, and then once we started selling some franchises and I was getting overwhelmed, I knew that I needed to hire somebody to train. I knew I needed to hire somebody to coach. And the philosophy that I took was I, I've implemented more of a coaching mentality in our franchise support system versus an auditing mentality. Um, in fact, we don't really do many audits 
we come in and we support and we provide feedback and we encourage our franchisees to move in the right direction and, and you know, execute our brand experience. Um, but we don't come in with a heavy hand and audit them and say, you know, do this or else. And that's just the approach we've taken. That's fantastic. No, that's, that's, I, I think that, you know, I'm glad you were honest about it, right? I mean, the the reality is, I think that's very helpful to people because the truth of the matter is that's how things get done, right? You you run a business, you grow a business, you get overwhelmed, and then you decide, I can't take this anymore. I gotta I gotta figure out a better way to do this. Um, and if you're lucky enough to be in the position to get there, right? Some people some people wait too long or don't uh, or don't do it the right way. Uh, Talk to me more about how, because it's a very interesting statement that you made about, you know, you supporting the franchisees instead of doing the auditing and coaching them. What's that process like? Give me some examples of some things where you guys are helping to coach franchisees along the way. Good question. So in most franchise systems, um, you, you know, they're their consultant or the person who's coming from, you know, quote unquote, corporate headquarters is typically coming out into that franchise location with an audit checklist. And they're checking yes, no, you know, you you scored a 10 on this or you scored a one on this. And what it typically creates in franchising, in my experience, is a dynamic where it's it's corporate versus the franchisee. And I don't really like to work in that dynamic. And so I made a conscious decision that we're not going to go out and do audits like that. What we're going to do instead is we're going to provide an experience that our customers should be getting, okay? And we defined it as our brand experience. But our customers should be getting this, and we aligned with our franchise owners on what that experience should be. And it took a long time to do it. I mean, we, we spent two years developing this. But when we implemented that, we had the buy-in of our franchise owners. And so when we go out, we talk about the experience the customers should be having, and we identify, our coaches identify, hey, areas that you're doing really well, which you want to make sure you emphasize what you're doing well, and then also areas that you may not be performing, and provide the direction of how to get up to that level of performance. And so it's not an audit, you did this, you didn't do this. It's more of a directional, of, hey, we're noticing that these things aren't being done for our customers, we need to make sure we're getting there, and then let's also provide you the direction of how to get there. So what I like about that is you're right. I mean, in, in most franchises, it is versus it is a, a, a corporate versus franchisee mentality. And I think that that's that's true. That doesn't bode well for long term relations. But what I additionally like about what you said is that one of the things I know to be true is that when a franchisee signs up with a franchise, usually if it's, you know, if it's a halfway decent franchise, you know, there's immediate value when they sign up, right? I mean, they're provided with a manual, they're provided, they're shown how to open up the business. I mean, all these things that they can apply uh, without having to, to come up with it themselves. And so there's a value there. One of the things that franchises struggle with a lot is, and this is franchisor specific, is providing that ongoing value for the franchisee. So as an example, you know, you get somebody, they've signed up as a franchisee, they've operated for a year or two. Now they kind of know how to run the business. And at some point in time, if you're not as a franchisor providing continuous ongoing value, the franchisee gets frustrated and they're like, well, why am I paying this royalty? What am I getting in return? So it sounds like that's one of the 
nice things about your coaching and the ongoing support is that they probably feel like they're getting ongoing involved support from the franchisor. Um, but I'm curious too, like what are additional things that, that, that you all do to show that value? I mean, to show that additional value so that you can continue to keep franchisees happy and it's a true win-win situation. Yeah, you're so right in the fact that most franchisors produce a ton of value in that first year. Um, but where it, the issues come is year two, year three, year 10. What, what value are you adding? Um, so you asked specifically. We definitely, um, we coach and we go out and we visit our franchisees and we will coach. Um, the, and those are in-person, multi-day, what we call field visits. And they're intended to help the franchise owner grow. The other things that we do specifically are we utilize peer groups. And uh, so we get a group of like-minded franchise owners, we get them together, and we facilitate the, that group, that small group, meeting with each other and really helping each other. Um, one of the things that we've learned is that the value of being a part of a franchise system is that you're not doing business alone. You have other people who are in the trenches who are doing the same thing as you. And it's, sometimes it's easier or better to hear the advice from those people than it is from you know, the quote-unquote corporate guy that's coming in. And so we will facilitate those meetings. That, those groups will typically meet two to three times a year in person. Um, so they definitely invest their own time and money into meeting, but we'll take care of a lot of the cost of the meetings. Um, we'll facilitate it to make sure it's done right and everybody's getting value. Um, the other thing is we have committees and we have a number of committees where we specifically ask for our franchisees feedback so that we can push things like new technology, right? What new technology should we be implementing? How should we be branding the business? And we want them to give input so that we can implement things that affect everybody in the entire system. That's really great. I mean, I appreciate you, you, you saying that. I mean, I think that that's a, that's obviously a, a, a big issue, um, a big issue in franchising. I'm curious uh, before we go, uh, and thank you by the way for your time on this. I think I think you've you've added a lot of, of value to the conversation. Um, I, so I, I'm I'm curious if somebody if somebody were what kind of franchisee are you guys looking for? You know, I always find that you know as a franchisor, you gotta you know usually have an idea or a model in your mind. What kind of franchisee do you know? So does somebody have to have a handyman background to become a handyman connection franchisee? So I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people think that that is who we're looking for. Um, most of our franchise owners are pretty terrible at swinging a hammer. Uh, so <laughs> they are not handyman uh, per se. Some of them can do it, but we're really looking for that business owner. Um, our franchise owners are in, in kind of a weird way. They're more of logistical managers or sales managers than they are uh, the you know doing the actual work. Um, the reason for that is our our franchisee is recruiting subcontractors a lot of times or employees that are going to do the work. They're going to go out there and estimate the work as well, and then they have typically an office staff that is helping uh, the logistics of customers who are calling in, getting attached to the right person, and sending that right person out to the to give that customer the right experience. So more of a, a business-minded person, um, definitely have to be interested in kind of like logistics or operations, um, or really interested in sales, not necessarily knowing how to do the work. 
So for anybody who's interested, and if you are interested in this franchise, I would highly recommend that you you know do your due diligence, search it out. Uh, this podcast is not a substitute for that. <laughs> Please does <laughs> yes. not. Um, Chris is a lovely guy, but you got to make sure it's the right fit and everything. Uh, and everything is you know eyes are dotted, t's are crossed, all that stuff. Um, so if somebody wants more information, uh, should they reach out to you directly, or do you have a contact that that you can provide? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I would suggest first check out our website, handymanconnection.com. Um, there's a, a link to become a franchisee on the website. Tons of information, videos, background. You can even fill out a form to have somebody contact you right there. Um, and I would say that's probably the best route to go. Perfect. Well, thank you, Chris. You've been a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate you coming on and sharing the, the Handyman Connection story. And I wish you best of luck in the future. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.